consider together this passage in Hebrews 12. And let me pray again as we prepare to look at that. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word to us. Humble our hearts, we pray. Soften them that we may hear and receive your word and obey it. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, in the past week, I have taken up running again. Uh, so I've started declaring to my family that I am a runner. That's who I am. I, I run. It's right at the heart of my identity. I, I'm a runner is what I have declared numerous times this week. Truth is, I have only been on two runs and each one has been a combination of a short burst of running and quite a long sustained period of walking. But it's a start and I'm happy still to declare myself a, a runner. But yesterday, uh, unexpectedly, as I was thinking about what to share with you this morning, my mind uh, turned to running, my new practice, uh, because the Bible actually regularly describes the Christian life as a run, a race, a race where each of us are running home to our Heavenly Father. We're in the home stretch, if you like, which, to be honest, in my mind, is the best part of a run when you can see home and you know you're almost there. And that is indeed the, the way the Bible describes the, the race that we as Christians are on. Uh, that's the Bible's picture of the Christian life. Uh, you, you get it again and again in, in the Scriptures. One of my favourite pictures is that picture we get in Luke 15 of the, the prodigal son running home to his father whose arms are open wide long before he even reaches home. It's an amazingly com uh, comforting story uh, as we run. That's the point of the Christian life, running home to God our Father. And it's only possible to be in that race because of what Jesus has done for us, as we'll celebrate in, in just a moment in sharing the Lord's Supper. Uh, one of my favourite verses in all of Scripture, 1 Peter 3.18, describes it this way. Christ died for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you home to God. Uh, the reason the door to home is open, the reason the Father's arms are open wide for us as we run, is because Christ died in our place. And when we come to Jesus and trust that he has done enough to enable us to be welcomed home, our, our job from that point of coming to trust him is to keep running for home. Uh, keep trusting Jesus. And so today with Hebrews 12 open in front of us, and I encourage you to have it open in front of you, I do want to ask you, how is your run going? Uh, today, God's word is going to encourage you to keep running. Uh, here's the very first verse of what we're looking at. Hebrews 12 verse 1, let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. It's actually a verse, if you work your way through the book of Hebrews, that comes just after the book of Hebrews is described a whole series of people who've run this race actually before us. We're not the first runners in the race. Uh, chapter 11 is well worth a read sometime, a series of uh, runners, uh, one after another, and each one of them reached the end of their life, their, their race, trusting God's promise of a welcome home. But as we turn to chapter 12 and verse 1, it's as if God is saying, having shown us this great cloud of witnesses, as they're called. He says, enough about them. Now it's your turn to run this race of faith. Uh, you who know all that God has promised has been fulfilled in the Lord Jesus, you who know that, you who know that your faith means that your race home is certain, you who know that your race is sure because Jesus' blood has forgiven you, run with perseverance the race marked out for you. 
So let me ask you again, how is your race going? Uh, I was reading an article uh, just this last week that said, uh, since COVID, many Christians are feeling tired. Uh, it's like all of the community, but Christians are feeling tired even of being Christians. Uh, it's the nature of what COVID has done to us. And I wonder how you're going. Well, however your race is going as we meet this morning, let Hebrews 12 bring three encouragements to you to keep running for home. Here's the first of them, and it is in that first couple of verses. Let me encourage you, or let the Bible encourage you, to run as someone who is unhindered and undistracted. Now, verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses... Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Uh, the encouragement here in this verse is to run like Eric Liddell. You remember Eric Liddell, the, the, the British Olympian, uh, uh, Christian man, Christian missionary after his uh, Olympic feats. And this is how he described his tactics running about the 200 and the 400 in the Olympics. He says, the first half of the race, I run as fast as I can. And the second half, I run even faster with God's help. Now, if that's what's being asked of us in verse 1, you might think, great, I have to be like an Olympian in this race. That's what you're saying the standard is. This is sort of survival of the fittest. Well, no, far from it. Since you're surrounded by this cloud of witnesses. Back in chapter 11, as I said before, we have this list of witnesses. But what's so wonderful about the list of witnesses is they're not witnesses to their running prowess to make us feel like I can't match that standard. Each of them is a complete mess up. Each of them is the stumbler. They're witnesses not to their own skill or perseverance, but to the God who keeps them running all the way to the end. They're witnesses to God's faithfulness. And they're witnesses to tell us he can carry you to the finish as he did each one of them. And so run, we're told here, knowing that this is not a race where your selection is based on your fitness, rather on your willingness to trust God's gracious faithfulness to carry you. And therefore, verse 1, run unhindered, we're told. We're, we're told to throw off everything that will make it hard to keep running, uh, and I wonder if you know the things that hinder your race of faith. Uh, when I ask that question, I'm not speaking of things that make you busy, too busy to fill your life with endless church events. No, this is a race not just to be run when we're together like this on a Sunday morning, but in all of life. What hinders you in all of life? Every aspect of our life is an opportunity either to run faithfully for God or potentially a hindrance. And so knowing this, these verses are saying to us, we need to work hard to spot the things that hinder our race. Things that may not in and of themselves be sin, they may actually be good gifts from God. And when we're as richly blessed uh, as we are and have lives filled with so many things, this race of faith is not run by asking, well, what's wrong with having that in my life? Or why can't I have this or, or do that or be that? Uh, I'm free, aren't I? Yes, but the race of faith is not run by asking amidst all the blessing, is, uh, can I have all these things? It's run by asking this, is having this or doing that or being this or experiencing this thing going to make me run for home or is it going to hinder me? Is it distracting me from running for home? Is it making, me harder, making it harder to remember where home is? 
The encouragement here is don't just say as a Christian, I'm free to do this or that. That's lazy running. Instead ask, does this help me run for Jesus? Does this help me keep my eyes fixed on home? We have so much in our lives and each thing is an opportunity to either run the race of life for his pleasure, God's pleasure, or an opportunity to have our faith hindered or even, we're told here, entangled. Do you see that word entangled? Uh, Entangled uh, happens when we think, yes, I know Jesus is what I'm running for, but I'd be better off running for, for him via that other thing that I really want. In fact, without that thing, I won't be happy, even with him. And the problem, we're told, with pursuing joy in Jesus via something else is you never get through that thing to him. You end up entangled in it. And it is scary how such simple things can do that for us. Uh, We're told in chapter 12, we're given the example of Esau who sold his whole future inheritance for a bowl of soup. I wonder what it is for you that might entangle you. Hebrews 12.1 is a command to us. Look at your life, think hard. What are you doing? And get ruthless. What are the things that are making it hard to run? And the way to fix our, the way to uh, ensure that we are not hindered or, or distracted along the way is verse two: to fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Let me give you a second encouragement, and we'll jump down to uh, verse. Uh, 14 here let us run as someone who is actually running to help others run the danger for us I think as we hear this call to run with perseverance this race is to see it as an individual race it's my race well that's true to an extent but the part of the purpose of running unhindered ourselves is so that we can help others run so that verse 13 the lame are not disabled but healed uh, this, this race of faith is like a team pursuit. We're, we're to run for each other's finish line, not just our own. It's more like one of those, remember the three-legged race at school where you end up sort of tethered to another person and sometimes that was a good thing, but sometimes less good if they ran slower than you. But that's actually what church is about. We're meant to help each other run. We're meant to carry each other to that finish line. And there's a number of pictures there of things that we're meant to help each other with. Verse 14 speaks of, we need together to be those who pursue peace and holiness. If you look carefully at verse 14, it's one of my favourite verses in the scripture because it says this, make every effort to live at peace with others. And I love that. There's something reassuring about it because it seems to imply that it takes effort to live at peace with people. Uh, In other words, uh, some people it's hard to be at peace with. And the real danger is that because it takes such effort, rather than pursuing peace, we can just settle for quiet. Uh, You've heard the old coupling, peace and quiet. They're not the same thing, are they? We are to pursue peace. And at the same time, we're also to pursue holiness. And again, that's a together activity. The, The call to be holy here in verse 14 is to be holy together. Easy to be holy on your own, but amidst sinners like you and I, other people who are weak and inconsistent like you and I are, that makes holiness hard. The people I know best in this world are the ones I find it hardest to be holy around. And I want to suggest to you, if you find it easy to be holy in this church community, then you do not know this church community. 
If you look around, and I suggest you do this carefully at morning tea, you'll notice that they're sinners, selfish, unreliable, and so are you. Spend enough time in any church and one of two things will happen. We'll either divide and live in uh, little cliques of people that we find it easy enough to be holy with because they, well, they agree with me, or we'll learn to be holy together, which means over time we'll have to forgive each other. We'll have to be forbearing. We'll have to love sometimes more than we feel we are loved back. That's part of being holy together. Uh, secondly, where, uh, verse 15, where to ensure make sure that we don't grow in bitterness but in grace and the way we're encouraged to do that is to plant ourselves as a church deep in god's word of grace rather than other words words of complaint or grumbling or selfishness now you see this race is not a solo race it's a race we run together one more encouragement for you and it's my favorite it's right at the end of the passage let us run as those who are almost home uh, there's a moment in any long journey, especially a sort of a long-haul plane flight, which over the years I've taken a number of times between here and, say, the UK. And the, uh, a, a flight like that where, where it goes on for hours and hours of grim silence, that's my impression of the experience, at least at the back end of the plane where, where I usually am. And there you are in this silence and they've got those sort of blinds on the, on the planes which are always down. I don't even know why they bother with the blinds because you're never allowed to look outside them. But everybody is sitting there in grim silence, ignoring the stranger next to them, hoping that they don't have to talk to them. Again, that's probably me more than you. But, uh, and then there's this magic moment near the end of the flight where the lights of the, the cabin come on and finally the blinds are lifted up and you look out and there are the lights of home. And then you hear this magical sound behind you that's the breakfast trolley rolling down the, uh, the, the cabin aisle. And, and it's, it's, it's sort of instant transformation over the cabin. This grim silence gives way to smiles and laughter and this stranger that I've deliberately ignored for 20 hours, I suddenly, suddenly talk to as if he's my best friend and we chat away and... Uh, well, that's the point you're at as a Christian. Realise where you are up to in this race of faith. You are almost home. We've told here in these final verses of Hebrews 12, you've come to Jesus. Listen to the Bible here at the end of Hebrews 12 tell you where you're up to in the race of faith. Verse 22, you've come to Mount Zion. You've come to the heavenly Jerusalem. You've come to the city of the living God. You have come to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly. You have come to the church of the firstborn. You've come amongst those whose names are written in heaven. You've come to God who is the judge of all men, uh, uh, to the spirits of righteous men now made perfect. You've come to Jesus who is your mediator and whose blood speaks a better word than any word you will ever hear. We're told here you've not come to, well, verse 18 to 21, to a place of fire and gloom and uncertainty. You've come to God. You've come to Jesus. What God is saying to us in these final verses of Hebrews 12 is as we run, you are already at the point where you can taste home. You're almost home. Uh, earlier in the book of Hebrews, chapter 4 puts it this way, you have come to the throne of grace. Or chapter 10, you are able to draw near with God, not with fear, but with confidence. If you've come to Jesus, then you have already spiritually arrived at the point where you can enjoy fellowship with God. 
You can be in his presence without fear. You can speak to him and know that he hears you. And in the words of Hebrews 4, you can receive from him mercy and grace in your time of need. And so I want to encourage you as uh, we go forward from today, take heart as you run for him, you're almost home. Having come to Jesus, the lights, if you like, of the cabin have come on. The lights of home are in sight. We can start the chatter and the smiling and the joy and the laughter. We can befriend the strangers around us. We can sing like someone who is almost home. And that's what we're going to do just now. I'm going to pray for us. And then in a moment after I spend some time in prayer, we'll sing our next hymn.